river. You know, that, how, how incredible would that be? And, um, you know, so that's just, it, God's been faithful in that prayer. And I've just been so excited because every Sunday, this little, this little building is pretty darn full. And it's, I'm just thankful for that. And God is capable. Dang sure capable of, of doing it. Um, so maybe give me grace. I've never, never done anything like this. So I'm going to, I don't know if it's going to be 20 seconds or, or two hours. I'm not completely sure yet, but I, I do trust the Lord that he's going to, um, he's going to meet me here. He's going to meet you guys here because we're here for him. And, um, if we believe the, anything in the Bible, we believe that, that we're here for him, not, not for us. And that's kind of what. Well, a lot of what we're going to get into today. And so um, Mark chapter 4 is what we'll be in. And, um, you know, just Rory's hit on it a couple times when we started in Mark. And um, I just love it. The, the, the things that just sum up in a single verse in Mark, um, of Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. I just, I absolutely love that idea. And man, wouldn't the world be a better place if we all thought like that? Like we served, we led people by serving. You know, um, I just think about the Lord has blessed me to be in a position where um, I'm responsible for a ranch. And, uh, you know, so there's people that work under me. And, and like, I don't do great at it. I'm not standing here saying I do, but I just, I love that thought of, Okay, Joe. How can I? How can? How can I lead somebody by serving them? Um, and I, so the the first part of this. So in this part, we're going to talk about. You know, we're going to be focusing more on the first part of those those two focuses in Mark of the the serving part. And uh, you know, I think of my wife's a teacher, and and so you know, you think, well, no, she's leading, she's not serving. And but if you well, think about it, well, no, because she's she's teaching. Right, so like she's like saying, "Here you go. I'm I'm get, I'm helping you out with information to learn and grow and and know something and move on." And to, so, really, Jesus being here on the scene in, in Mark, in his his story, the he's leading because all he's doing is teaching, constantly teaching. So I'll read through. We're gonna go through one through twenty. I'll read through real quick, and then we'll go back and start breaking it down. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many teachings by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened, as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve 
asked him about the parable and said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that, seeing they, seeing, they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? So the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes it away. And just real quick, so like this is where Jesus is breaking it down pretty much for him of what he's talking about and what the, what the parable is to mean. And um, 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes it away that the word was sown in their hearts. Then these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Because, But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So I, like, I love this because I feel like it's just straight up. You know, you don't have to, I don't feel like it's a crazy hidden meaning or anything. I, and Obviously, Jesus explains it right there to his disciples of, in a way so that it's not. And so, like, it, that's just the way I, I work, I guess. I'd just rather just tell me what you're talking about and, you know, teach me and then let's move on. Let's, let's do what we're supposed to do. And um, so, in verse 1, it, you know, the, like the one thing I think about it says again. So Jesus is just again and again and again. He's serving, he's teaching. He's got this huge multitude with him. They're falling around. They're coming from all over. And I think in Matthew or Luke, it says um, the whole multitude gathered around him from like every country and city. So it's, it's a lot. And then it says the great multitude was gathered to him so that he had to get into a boat and sit in it on the sea. And the whole multitude's face was on the land facing the sea. And like, so you think these movie stars and stuff have a bad paparazzi won't leave them alone. Like, this thing about Jesus, like, everybody is following him around. There's no time for sleep. You guys are falling asleep, falling off of roofs. Like, or out of windows, rather. It's, it's like, it's out of this world. And I'm just like, as I'm doing this, I'm like such a squirrel mind. My, I'm instantly thinking like, yeah, think about like ACDC. Those guys are like 150 years old and there's still people following them around. You know, like... It's nuts. And this is Jesus. He's like in his 30s or something like that. Don't quote me on that. I don't think. And uh, like he has these gatherings that are just nuts. So he has to get into a boat, right? And get out in the sea. So like he, uh, you know, a few things. So he's not getting overrun because these people are just like almost losing their minds over all these signs and wonders he's doing. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, um, you know, I'm just like picturing Jesus out there, like everybody's facing him and he just 
you know, whips out his guitar like Angus Young for ACDC and just like doing these crazy riffs, getting ready for the worship. ACDC doesn't do worship music, obviously, but like he's got their attention. There's no question it's telling us they're all facing the sea. He's, he's looking, they're looking at him. And um, um, so like thinking about that, he still says, when you go down to, to verse three, he says, listen, behold before he starts into telling them this, this peril, parable. And so everybody's looking at him. The whole, everybody's there to see him. So why does he say, why is he saying, now listen, behold. Well, so we know what listen means. You know, just looking up some words for behold. It's, um, it's a word used to direct attention, to view, to observe, to notice. Duh, he's standing in a boat. People are there for him, but he's still saying, like, hey, pay attention to me. Like, his guitar playing wasn't awesome enough. He still had to say, like, listen up, here. So I'm thinking, like, well, maybe the Son of God might have something important to say that you might want to hear. And uh, and so, you know, like, it's he just obviously knows people's hearts. He knows that they're there maybe for not even the right reason, even though they're following Jesus, if he has to say, listen up, when they're all there for him anyways. Um, so I'm going to jump around just a little bit. And so hopefully you guys will follow, because like I said, I have a squirrel brain. Um, so I'm going to go to verse 13. And um, so... He, he teaches in these parables, right? And that we just, we just read through. And his, his disciples are, you know, they're like, why do you got to teach in these? these? And, and he says, because of um, all the ones, all the people that are, that are outside, that, you know, they don't understand these parables. So I have, to, I have to teach them this stuff. So they're there again. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but they're there. But they don't understand why they're there. Like, it's kind of confusing. But it's not. So Jesus is like, that's where it comes in where he just breaks it down for him. And he says, the sower sows the word. So this, the word, the seed, he sows the seed. So the seed is the word of God that he's talking about here. And, um, and so then he goes into breaking it down for them. And it says... In 15, and these are the ones by the wayside. I'm sorry, hold on a second. Yeah, okay. So anyways, so he says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, where they hear it. And Satan immediately comes and takes the word away and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So this is, I feel like, you know, we should be able to wrap our minds around this. So this is people that I'm sure you guys know, I know, where like you even say the word Jesus to them or something, and they're just like, get away from me with that stuff, you know, or whatever it is. They've heard the name Jesus. There's no way they can deny it. And it's obvious they've heard it because they're irritated about it. Like Satan's already come and just snatched it out of, their, out of their hearts and like, leave me alone, don't talk to me about this Jesus thing. I don't want nothing to do with it. And... um we can, we can just imagine if Jesus is saying that Satan takes it out of their hearts, things don't probably look very good for them at the end of the day. 
you know, if, if that's, that's what they're choosing. So, you know, it could be all kinds of, you know, it could be like there's people that think that, you know, oh, I don't believe, I don't, it doesn't matter if you believe in Buddha or whatever it is, it's all the same, it's just it's hope and you're believing in something. Well, the Bible doesn't really teach that at all. And that's just not true. You know, if you, any, nothing, they have nothing to say to back up truly all the way to the foundation of the world beginning to back that up. But we do with the Word of God. And um, so with that, we're going on to verse 16. He's going to talk about the, the second kind of people. And uh, um, right out of the gate, it says, so it says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So thinking about this, man, it's like, let's, let's just think about it right out of the start when it says, likewise, these likewise, like verse 15, the people that... Satan comes in, snatches it out of their heart as soon as they hear about it. You know, they don't want nothing to do with them. So likewise, all the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Sounds good. I like the idea of Jesus. Probably help me out when things are bad. Yeah, this Jesus sounds all right. But it's shallow ground. There's nothing, there's nothing there where a root can take hold, where something can grow and flourish. So... And if you go back up to verse six, it says, "It says um, you don't have to turn there, but um, it says it has no root, so it has no lifeline, nothing to feed it." And so, like, I'm, when I'm when I'm thinking of that, I'm just thinking of the ranch we're on, and there's there's um, we've got a few pivots, but it's not a good it's not a good chunk of ground for farming. It's just not. We we do what we can where we can, but. There's not one piece of ground that's flat. There's rock everywhere. Everybody, anybody out here knows that we grow rocks better than we grow any kind of crop. And um, so I'm thinking about that. So we got these pivots and, and say like alfalfa field and we got a pivot that's watering everything. It's watering. Every plant gets the same amount of water. It's, it's all turnkey, push a button, walk away. And it's, it's watering everything efficiently, supposedly, and all that. But there's always these spots that have there's rocky ground where it's shallow. And it's just a great image to me, and hopefully to you guys, of this. When you go out there, everything's getting the same. We all got the same fertilizer. It's every, and that rocky ground, that that alfalfa will sprout up really fast, and it'll go and it'll turn really fast. It'll go to bloom and do its thing, and then it stops growing when it gets to that point. It's ready to be cut. The rest of it's still growing in the good ground where it's getting, you know, the roots can go deep, and. Um, so, like, you go out there to cut it, and, you know, all this stuff is great, and this stuff's little, and it, it's been little for two months, and the rest of the stuff is still trying to grow. And it's just an, it's, it's an easy thing to think about of, like, this rocky ground with no dirt, no way for the, the root, the lifeline, to just stay a hold and get a hold and, and send nutrients and grow. And so my mind goes to that in, in this, of, the, of not having any root. And you can see how, like, you know, receive it with, with, receive the word with gladness, happy about it, hearing it. Just like that alfalfa plant shoots right up and goes like crazy, but only for a minute. And then it has nothing feeding it and it has no root and 
and then it, it peters out and it doesn't produce anything at all. The slothor won't even pick it up. It's so small. And um, and then it goes on in verse 17 and it, you know, and it says immediately stumbles. You know, this is... Stumbling, obviously, you guys, like this is not a good thing, especially when it's like likewise, verse 15, where, where there's nothing in this person's life at all. And then now we're talking about someone that hears the word and maybe kind of likes it, but then likewise, nothing happens and, and they immediately stumble. Um, like, so they just pretty much the same destiny. I mean, they, they don't, they have no life. There's no God in them. It's not a good place to be. And it just, it's a bummer because like, if that's a spot where we're at or we know someone's at, you know, like, um, there's going to be a point where you better enjoy it, this life now because that's it. There's there's nothing good for you afterwards. And then uh, moving on to, to verse 18, it says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires... For other things enter in, choke out, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And what they really, what Jesus really meant right here when he said, now these are the ones sown among thorns, he really meant Medusa head. And that's the truth. <laughs> like, he, he gave me revelation. He said, it's okay to say that because I, it was a typo. It should have been Medusa head. And I show you that because anybody around here, like we deal with Medusa head. It's this terrible plant that takes over, lays down a mat where nothing else good can grow. Because, I mean, if the cows do eat, it's not good for them. But they only eat because it's so spiny and nasty. And it just takes over. It just crawls and takes over. So he meant Medusa head. No question. And, uh, but we can, we can relate to this for sure. You know, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches. You know, that, that just, that equals, that means the, anything and everything that we desire that we put before Christ. Any of it. Work, hunting, cars, horses, sports. Like, it, it doesn't matter. And it's funny because Rory taught on it today in town and he even kind of hit on this exact same thing. I was like, well, I'm going to change what I'm going to say. But maybe not. Maybe it's just something that we need to hear. And I'm sure of that. All of us are not free from this. But, you know, whatever it is, anything that stumbles us, you know, anything that, that makes us, we want, like, well, we choose, because it's not God, you know, we choose to do sports, you know, NFL starts or whatever, and we're doing sports on Sunday, or we're doing whatever, and, and I'm not saying that church saves us, you know, church is, is, is obedience to God, it's a way to learn, because we can't do it on our own, but I am saying, like, these are the things that we, we just do, like a car, or, or rodeo, or, you know, all these things, like, we'll just choose them, like, now, you know what? It's okay if I miss. It's all right. And it, I'm not saying it's, if you miss one or two, I'm not saying you're going to hell. But I'm just saying, if you be honest with yourselves, I am positive you could say, where, yeah, I could call myself out on it. And so Joe can. I can with hunting. And my wife will vouch for this. And, and uh, like, you know, my walk with, with Christ is, is not super, you know, it's not, I haven't been doing it a long time. But, it, you know, the Lord has just been working on me and working on me. And, and hunting was a hard one for me because, like, I work hard all year. Well, I think I work hard. Maybe not. <laughs> work hard all year. Don't take any time off, really, for this or that. 
Come on, season, I deserve it. Joe's going hunting, no matter what. Courtney's starting school right then, getting these kids wrangled when they've been running wild all summer long. And then it's like, here you go, Courtney. Sorry, that's, that's your deal. Deal with it. I know you got to whip them into shape. and Tough. I'm sorry. I'm going hunting. You know, and in the last couple of years, the Lord's been working on me in that. And not that I need to get in my, my old testimony. Not that I wouldn't tell you guys. But, uh, you know, so it's funny because, you know, last year, so I was like, not this hunting season, but the one before I thought, Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home the first week. I'm not going to go because archery season's a month long, and I'm taking the whole month. It, and um, so I'm like, okay, I need to give. I'm, this is dumb. Courtney and I are always fighting at that time because she's trying to wrangle these kids and get them back into the routine to go to school and on and on and on. And I just leave and leave her with it. So, and, uh, so the last year I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home the first week. I'm, I'm not going to go hunting that first week. And, man, I'll tell you what, I was... Yeah. Good job, Joe. Courtney, you should love me more, no question. Because I, I didn't go one week, one weekend out of the month, you know, and I stayed home and I just was so proud of myself and it was and then at the end of the season I took a whole week off, you know, and, and throughout that elk season I'd miss every Sunday too because I'd go up on the weekends. But it's okay because I'd rarely miss church or anything during the rest of the year. Again, I'm not talking about you missing church, you're going to hell or anything like that. But what I am telling you, though, from experience, and I know it would be with anybody, with any of these things that we do that can start to pull us away. The Lord was drawing me, and there's no question in that. But I could feel the tug of missing church and missing fellowship and being in the Word and just needing, like, relying on my brothers and sisters in Christ and just being consumed with, with God because we're so sinful. We just, like, it doesn't take much Oh, you know, shaking a, a little treat over here and we're going to go to it. And I could feel it that I was just, I missed it, you know. And so it was just awesome. Just praise the Lord. He's just working in me through that, you know. And then this year, just not that I'm still not good at this, but, I, you know, I didn't go for the last couple weekends and I did not, I didn't, I come home Saturday and my family's pretty rough. They don't, they don't um, toe the line for Jesus at all, you know. And so, and I knew the heckling was coming. We're rough on each other as it is. And um, the Lord met me there. They didn't, they didn't bother me or heckle me with it. They didn't, nothing. And I'm telling you, we're rough on each other. I mean, it's, it's hard not to carry it over into this life of trying to live, live for Jesus, I'll tell you that. But uh, just, so nothing. And I was like, there with my gloves on ready, like, come on, let's do it. Let's get it over with. I'm leaving today. It's Saturday. I'm not hunting tomorrow. And anyways, nothing. I didn't say anything. If you guys knew my family, only the Lord could do that. I'm telling you. And so, you know, I and I'm not saying I'm so righteous by doing that, you guys. I'm still I'm not patting myself on the back. I, I I see this, but I'm just saying, like the year before, I felt the pull of not not being plugged in and not loving Jesus is with everything I've got. I still don't do a great, but you know, charging towards that, God revealing that to me to to realize that is making everything better. Every day of my life. And so when he's talking here, I rambled on that way more than I was going to. But, you know, it's just when he's talking about becomes unfruitful. You know, the it's just the word unfruitful is used a lot, especially when Jesus in the Gospels and stuff. He's constantly talking about good fruit or bad fruit and, you know, and this and that. And um, and some of that stuff, you know, it's. Some of that, to be honest with you, is, is my favorite. And just, you guys don't have to turn that on. I'm just going to read really quick on um, 
uh, Matthew seven sixteen through twenty, and we're just and I'm my point here is talking about fruit because, you know, it's saying that we that this this next group of this next soil, you know, it, it did sprout up like it did come up and grow, so it can you kind of think like, well, yeah, but it's growing, so it must be fine, even if there's this other stuff um, growing up with it. But you know, the choking, being choked out and and becomes unfruitful. Is he's he's saying something? He's talking about something. So in uh, Matthew seven sixteen uh, through twenty, Jesus says, "You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or fig or figs from thistles? Even so, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit." Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And then another one, this is like my absolute favorite. And it's just, and I'm not saying that like this is the exact context, but I'm just saying about how Jesus talks about bearing fruit and repeatedly. So we know that it's a big deal. And in um, John 15, 1 through 4, it says, um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That is, sorry, um, that it may bear more fruit. I love that part, you guys. Like, that's huge. Um, so, anyways, moving on, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You guys, rest, like, meditate on that. And, man, I have, like, two days worth of my testimony on that, of bearing fruit, thinking I'm going to do something on my own or of my own good standing. Like, I was talking about patting myself on the back because I missed a weekend for Courtney to help her out. So, um, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So just a couple, like, and there's more and more, you guys, you probably know it, but like, you go through the Gospels and it's constantly talking about bearing fruit. And um, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Because if you're not bearing fruit, what are you doing? What does the Bible say you're doing if you're not bringing forth fruit? And it's the kingdom, the fruit of the kingdom of God. It's not fruit like making money or these things for getting yourself better. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not what he's talking about. So moving on to verse 20. Um, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 so we're back to the fruit thing, right? Like, So just before that, we're saying, yeah, they heard the Word of God, and they even kind of liked it, and then they heard the Word of God, and they even grew a little bit, and then they got choked out by the things and become unfruitful. And then when you get into 20, and it's talking about these this soil, our hearts, you guys. Like we're talking about the soil. You can also read, um, I, I can't quote it exactly, but in the Bible of like where the you know, the Lord's going to take out this heart of stone and put it in a fertile heart where you're ready to accept Jesus. You're ready to give Him your all, everything you've got. And um, so that's what we're talking about here, this, this soil. And when, when, when you have, when the Lord has, has given you this heart of flesh and this soil it will, of good ground, 
you know, the key word here is sit in verse 20. When you hear the word and you accept it, it's, um, that's, that's it. That's all of it right there. Like, do you hear the word? And, uh, one time Sarah told me, and I'll just never forget it. And like, I steal it as my own. Like, and I think even when it was funny, a couple weeks ago, maybe Rory even said it too in here. But, um, you know, do we believe in Jesus or do we believe Jesus? Do we believe in God or do we believe God? So my point is like, oh yeah, I believe in God, but my life looks nothing like it. You'll know them by their fruits, it says. Well, oh yeah, I believe who that God is, but I clearly don't believe in Him. Believe Him. Believe Him what He tells us in here. I can't. There's no way. If I believed what He said in here, my life cannot look like it's not bearing fruit. Now I'm not talking about stumbling and sin and, and but there's repentance and there's all that in with that so i'm just saying if your life just is constantly not bearing fruit for christ you're one of these other soils i'm one of these other soils i'm like i'm not pointing fingers at anybody i'm just he's just being very clear with us very plain of of saying look you're in or you're out do you hear me or not backing up to what is it verse 10 or something it says, when he's talking to the disciples, nine, he says, and he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then it goes on into, um, and I think it's, it says it all over, um, I think it might be from Isaiah in verse 12, where it says, so that, seeing that they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may not hear, may not hear, I'm sorry, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. Um, real quick, I'm going to read in Matthew. I like the way Matthew says that exact same thing. And um, let me see here. Maybe I will. Yeah, here it is. Matthew 13, um, 14 and 15. And it says, um, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. This kind of doesn't make sense. Like when you're starting out reading through it, like, what do you mean? What do you tell me? Am I going to hear? Am I going to perceive? Am I not? Like, is he saying, hearing you will hear and not understand? You know, and then it goes down to 15. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. That's huge right there, and turn. So that I should heal them. God should heal them. Jesus should heal them. So... I feel like the reason why I like it there in Matthew because like it's it says all that, but then it's it's really explaining why we're not hearing and accepting as it says in verse twenty in Mark that we're talking about. We're not accepting His word, you know, in verse nine. We don't we don't hear and accept it if we have these if we are these other soils. If we you know the seed is sown in these other soils in our lives. There's times that we might sound like it. We might have the Language, we might be able to do that stuff, but at the end of the day, we should ask ourselves, do we truly follow Christ? Do we truly believe 
Jesus, what He tells us. And um, man, there's a lot of times my life doesn't look like that. But praise God, like I just He gives me the heart to repent of it, to repent of it, to know that it's wrong, and then you know I can move on and hopefully bear fruit for Him. I'm, you know, I'm sure of that. So, you know, thinking about it too, like none of us start out, none of us start out having this good heart. Like not even children. Think about, I was thinking about our kids. Like all they do is like, I want a bottle when they're infants. I want my diaper changed. I want this. I want that. Like they just want, 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 want. It's all about them. Like my point is that's okay because they're a little child and they need to be fed so they can grow up. But my point is, is that they, like, they're just, we're all born in this, this sinful life. And this is a good example of it. Like, if they weren't sinful, they would, like, no, I'll just wait till my mom or dad feeds me. I'm fine. I'm not going to cry about it. That doesn't happen. So we don't start out like that. We don't start out with as good soil. You know, we have hard hearts. But by the grace of God, if, if we hear, if we want to know Him, we can have a fertile heart that produces 30-fold, 60, maybe 100. Praise God for that. That would be incredible for the kingdom of God. Um, so, I'm just thinking about that, you guys. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to just, trying to figure out how to just make, make this just hit home to me, to, to you guys and everything. And, um, you know, thinking about the, and I'm kind of backing up here and jumping around, so I apologize, but like thinking about that whole multitude and thinking about all the people that were there and all the things Jesus did. And you think like, man, if I was there, I would change my life for sure. I'd definitely change my life. You know, I watched Jesus heal a blind guy that was definitely blind or if I, whatever it was, but the people there, like they still, Jesus is talking to all this multitude on the, on the shore and he's telling them to listen. He's telling them that some of them are these different soils, but they're there to see him. So the point is they were just there for the wrong reason. They were there to see the signs and wonders. They weren't there to hear and listen, just submit and give their life to him. They were there because they wanted something back out of it. So if I like trying to hammer a point home is, you know, that's, that's where we kind of, we fall to. We just, I want God to help me out. So maybe I'll love God sometimes or I'll, or, you know, not, but it's, it just, it's not going to work that way. Jesus gives us that example. That's, it doesn't work like that. And so I just encourage all of us to be thinking about this, to be realizing, man, we need God. Being a good person is great, you guys. But outside of Christ, it means nothing. Absolutely nothing. If, if it isn't God in us, we, if he didn't take out that heart of the stone and give us the heart of flesh and this good soil for the seed to be planted in, to grow and flourish, to have a deep root that will take hold and sustain a drought or sustain whatever comes out of it, we we got nothing. We have nothing we can offer to bring to the table outside of Christ. And this sounds so dull and sad and all that stuff, but the good news is, like it's amazing news, is that Jesus died for all, all of that stuff. For he already knew we were all gonna be selfish. He knew that our babies were gonna be selfish to keep us up all night. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm over it. I'm my kids it's three. I'm not holding on to anything. 
you know, but the, so that's that's the good news, you guys. Like, and it's for anybody and everybody. It's for the young kids. It's for the high school kids. Like, man, the sooner the, you hear it, the better. Like, let's let's give our all to Jesus. And man, the life I lived before, most of you didn't know me before I lived out here. And even a little bit when I started living here, before I really, the Lord gave me the desire to to live for Him. Man, things just were not good. Like I didn't, I didn't live for him at all. I just tried to destroy my family over my because I wanted to have fun all the time, and you know it just it was terrible. And it was just it was great news. It was a great thing that that Jesus loved me enough to offer that to me and just show me that like Joe, I want you to understand that it's awesome that I bring you to your knees and that you want to apologize for being an idiot to me. It's awesome that you have repentance. It's not a bad thing. It feels good. Like if, if you can leave a sermon and feeling in conviction and feel convicted when you leave because it makes you reflect on your life of that you were not giving your all. You were just showing up on Sunday and but good the rest of the week or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying it's any of you or maybe it is, but I'm just saying if you can leave feeling convicted because you're like, man, I don't, I don't give my all to God. I don't. That is awesome. We should be like rejoicing in that and be thankful for that. I know I am. And you guys are like, I was the most selfish person on the planet. I would literally knock anybody down to get what I wanted. I mean, it was awful, you guys. And I'm, I'm still not great in that. I'm getting better because of God. But you got like, that conviction is a good thing. This is not like a fire and brimstone. Oh, I don't like that stuff. It's, it's just all hard noise. And I don't, you know, I don't like like, Man, you guys, I just pray that all of us would just learn to love conviction. Learn that we would be praying, Lord, show me my sin every single day. Lord, I, I want to know what I'm, where I'm sinning so I can repent, so I can be closer to you. I want to get into fellowship with, with the body so I can be plugged in throughout the week. Because you, I promise you guys, like, and maybe you're here, so great if you are. But if you're not, if, you're, if it's just on Sundays, it's not enough. I promise you, and I can say that wholeheartedly with confidence because of what the Bible says, it's not enough. And trust me, I promise you, if you're, if you're just giving more and you're going more for God and you're just doing more for Him and, and trying to figure out how to just get your life wrapped up in God before anything else. Rory said a great last Sunday here. I thought that was an awesome deal of like, even against family, like that kind of rubs the wrong way. That's sandpaper there, right? Like, Especially if I talk about my wife's family. <laughs> but what Rory said was true. This, like, this is family. God is our father, our real father. My dad was amazing. He was a great dad. Didn't lead me to Christ. That's, you know, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not condemning him. That's not up to me, for me to do. But um, I got, he was a, but God is my real God, my dad. Like, that's my father. And uh, so, like, you guys are my family. This, like, that's, that's legit. And so, I just said, I would, so I know for a fact, get plugged in. Man, like, if we can get some home groups going or whatever it is, like, I promise you guys, like, it's, it's biblical. That's why it works. That's, that's, that's why it's in here for us to read. Like, it will work. It will, it will, we will get through the week better. We will, it will get us through those stumbling times. We know when we're stumbling throughout the week. We know when we 
shouldn't be looking at that. We shouldn't be saying this. We shouldn't get in that conversation. And then, but there's still that time where like, yeah, I know I shouldn't, but I do it anyways. That's me. And man, I'm telling you, like when I got brothers and sisters that are just lifting me up and helping me talk about this stuff, proud guy. Before before Christ, pre-Jesus, you wanted me to, like my father-in-law would say, people from heaven don't hug. They don't hug. Like So my, my point is showing emotion or talking about problems or whatever. Like, I'll deal with it on my own. It's none of your business. Don't talk to me. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get over it here in a week or so. Whatever it is. I'm telling you, all that stuff is ignorant. It's stupid. It makes no sense. There's no life in it. You'll be like going down this road alone. And I just, I'd encourage everybody like get plugged in, love each other, share your burdens with each other. And I'm still not great at it, you guys. Like I'm good for saying I'd love to pray for you, but I'm never good at saying pray for me. And, but I know it works. So I just encourage you guys, pray for you guys. All of us, we just need to stay plugged in. We've got to get together. Who's ever house it's at? This isn't a plug to try to get what Rory was talking about. This is like, this is biblical. Absolutely biblical. Get together, love on each other, help each other with in prayer and share the load of just life. Man, like this, it's real. And so um, I think that's what we need to be doing, you guys. I think... Um, I think this is something we need to reflect on and think about, like, where are we at? Where, where's our, where's our hearts? What, what kind of seed is landing on us? Or we know what seed is, the word is landing on us, but what kind of a soil is in us? And clearly, there's no, you could not sit here and argue with me and say you didn't want to flourish for God. You, know, you wouldn't be sitting here if that was the case. So, you know what, you guys, I just love you guys. I'm thankful for Plina. And, um, I pray that, uh, God spoke to you guys today. And that's that's it. Let's let's worship God and pray a little and move on.